doesn't matter what Thanks service it is at the anchor, the anchor people come to worship. And because we've walked in faith, he shows up in his presence. And aren't you glad for the presence of God here tonight? How many have felt him? Thank you, praise team. Amen. We are, we are thrilled and delighted to have with us Bishop Douglas White. Um, you know, I'm trying to think how long we've known each other, but it's, it's been uh, 19, I think it's been 18 years this past July. And, uh, and this coming New Year's Eve, 18 years ago, we preached for you. Cindy and I, when we were evangelizing, and uh, such a great blessing that you were in my life and still are in my life. His ministry has, has spanned the globe. His, his insight, content, revelation, relationship with God is so powerful. He's been a blessing to my wife and I and our children. And uh, we're so thankful that he's taken time to be with us. Uh, we love you, but we love Sister White as well. We're disappointed that she couldn't travel with you. But the anchor churches and uh, our pastoral teams, we're so thankful that you've taken time to be with us. And How many love Bishop White and his ministry? Amen. Amen. We want him to come. We want him to open his heart as he opens the word. Come on, let's give him a big Zanesville anchor welcome. Would you do that? I think everybody in the building ought to clap your hands to the Lord. You're excited about His presence. God bless you. If you have your Bible, we will go to the book of Jude. The book of Jude. I give honor today to Pastor and Sister Bounds. There are very few people on the face of the earth that I trust more and probably none of them outside of my youngins I love more than these folks. I love them. I feel old tonight to see Lakin up here looking like she'd grown up. And I was feeling pretty good. Till Brother Bounds informed me that Jillian was playing the keyboard. I looked over, I thought, oh dear God, I'm prehistoric. <clears throat> I love it now that got a few years on me. I go places and I meet pastors, different ones that involved in ministry up to their neck. And we get to talking. I say, well, whose church was you? I, when, when was you called to preach? Oh, you was preaching a camp when I, God called me to preach. I'm thinking, dude, you look older than I do. But God bless you. I'm sorry my wife couldn't be here. She is definitely the better looking of this duo. And uh, I came, I was a little over on my luggage because sister asked me to bring some books of my books and and a particular one she wanted, wanted me to bring a few extras, I guess, for bookstore or something y'all got. And I thought, I'm a little bit over, but I'll be all right. And I got here, because I'm going to take out 
10 pounds of books out of my luggage. So I come in, I was feeling good until I took 10 pounds of books out of my luggage and turned around and there's 30 pounds of basket in that room. And uh, I'm thinking, man, I'm gonna be seriously over when I go home. Jude, chapter number six. Certainly love this church. You may not know Doug White from anybody on the face of the earth, but I pray for you every day I live. I'm serious about the kingdom of God. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. Watch this. Hath he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness, under the judgment of the great day, even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner giving themselves over to fornication, going after strange flesh, and are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. I told you today that I pray for this church every day. I am a very intentional person. I have 44 pastors that look to me as bishop. I pray for them and their churches every day that I live. This year's been a little different but I marched into this year having preached 298 times the year before. I am a very intentional man. We've started, I think, a total of six churches now. I live my life intentional. I'm driven. But tonight, in the midst of a pandemic, in the midst of righteous lives being disrupted. I feel like the Lord has sent me to talk to this congregation about the impetus of my loving people and giving of myself, the impetus that drives me. And I pray that you don't lose that impetus in the midst of our chaotic schedule. My message tonight, simply the inevitability of eternity. The inevitability of eternity. God bless you. Would you lift your hands and ask God to help us in this house? you, you may be seated. Thank you so much. Thank you. Science has determined that there are a few things that set 
every individual apart. Within your being, you have something called deoxyribonucleic acid. DNA is the common term used to describe it. It is distinct to you and to you alone. You have fingerprints that are individualized to nobody else in the world but you. You are the only one that possesses those fingerprints. Uh, they say now, given the right instrumentation that if you're being investigated for something, they say that now they have instrumentation that if you speak and they have a recording of you, they say that your voice patterns are just as distinct as your DNA or as your fingerprints. So they can listen to a voice if you have the right instrumentation and they can tell with 100% assurity who you are simply by the sound of your voice. There are several things that make each one of us distinct and separate individuals. However, I think that just as amazing as those things that set us apart are those things that every living soul in here has in common. For instance, everybody needs oxygen and that means you have to breathe. You cannot survive living without breathing. You have to breathe if you're going to live. They say that to live you need a beating heart whether it beats on its own or it beats artificially. It's your lungs that suck in the oxygen but it's your heart that picks it up and shoves that oxygen through your arteries, your veins, your capillaries, all through your body. You've got to have that every living soul has to have certain things. But when it's all said and done, everybody, according to Scripture, has a soul that can and that will live on after your life has ceased. And while the list of things that, uh, the list of things that we have in common is larger than the list of things that individualize us, you better never forget the longest day that you live. The premier thing that all of us in this building have in common today is that all all of us are running towards eternity. It is inevitable. I could go from the oldest person living on the earth today and go to that baby that just took its first breath moments ago and I can tell you that both of them absolutely have in common the fact that they are headed towards eternity. Can I tell you today that eternity is not gender specific. Male and female are going to 
eternity. Eternity is not age restrictive. It's been said the old will die and the young may die, but I don't mind telling you, the young become old and everybody's gonna die because it's appointed unto man once to die and then the judgment. Both the young and the old are going to eternity. Eternity is not racially prejudiced. All people from every culture is going to go to eternity. Eternity is not intellectually selective. The ignorant and the brilliant are both going to eternity. It is is inevitable. All of us are heading to eternity. I got tickled when Brother Bounds told me a little bit ago that uh, this baby just got her driver's license a few days ago. Dear God, you're supposed to still be a baby. And talking about how uh, this church is full of young people that think you know where you're going in life, but you need to be aware today that regardless of your present journey, your ultimate destination is a never-ending realm called eternity. That baby kicking in its mother's belly today is kicking its way towards eternity. That elder being carried in an ambulance tonight is being carried towards eternity. That middle-aged man driving to work is driving towards eternity. That young mother taxing kids to school is taxing towards eternity. That toddler riding in a stroller is riding towards eternity. That preteen pedaling its bicycle is pedaling towards eternity. That teenager roaring down the road in his very first car is roaring towards eternity. That single adult that's wandering through life looking for love is wandering towards eternity. Every single one of us in this building today need to settle the fact in our heart that we are on our way to eternity. It is inevitable. You're going into eternity understand the impact of that statement. You need to know the biblical word for eternity is A-D. Ironically it's pronounced odd but it means perpetuity. To continue to exist beyond this present life. A realm beyond time but without end. Realize with me today that as surely as God's word is forever settled in heaven. It not only tells us that eternity is real, but it tells us that there are things that are eternal. 45 
times. Your Bible speaks of eternal things. I can turn in your Bible and speak to you about an eternal God, God's eternal excellency, eternal life, eternal damnation, eternal judgment, eternal power, his eternal Godhead, the eternal weight of glory, the eternal salvation of obedience, eternal redemption, his eternal spirit, the promise of an eternal inheritance, eternal glory, eternal heavens, and horrifically it speaks about an eternal fire. My brothers and my sisters, hear the word of the Lord today. It is inevitable. Someday you'll go screaming into eternity. that catapults you into eternity. Who knows? But we do know that your destination is eternity. It's inevitable. It may be an automobile accident. It may be some dreaded disease. It could be an overdose of drugs. But eternity is inevitable. It could be a drunk driver. It could be a murder, senseless murder. It could be a heart attack. It is inevitable. Eternity is inevitable. It may be a natural disaster. It may be a freak accident. It could be a stillbirth. But eternity is inevitable. It could be an aneurysm that nobody saw coming. It could be a choking that everybody saw. It could be somebody who simply dies of old age. But I tell you today that eternity is inevitable. Settle it in your hearts today, my brothers and sisters. It is inevitable. Someday death is going to usher every living soul into eternity. And before we step into it. I've come today to preach to you what drives me every day I live. What moves me every time I open my eyes. I've come today to tell you the thing that drives my spirit. Before you step into eternity, you need to know that there's going to be a few things awaiting you there. For example, let me tell you what we absolutely know about eternity. First thing we know is eternity only has two options. There are not three options. There's not one heaven for those that want truth and one for those that don't want it. I need you to hear this preacher today. Eternity has two options. That's heaven and that's hell. There is no third choice for those that don't want to accept God's plan or God's word. There are no other selections on the eternal menu to those that don't find heaven or hell palatable. There are two options that await all of us. You're either going to go to heaven or you're going to go to hell. That's all there is. But you are going to go. 
the second thing we know is that which of these two options you're going to inherit for all eternity is going to be de decided by the decisions you make sitting in a place like this with breath still in your body. Don't you let anybody lie to you. If they tell you once saved, always saved, somebody's lying to you. If they tell you you can't lose your salvation, somebody's lying to you. If they tell you you can be saved a hundred different ways, somebody is lying to you. Your eternal destination will only be decided by whether or not there is an act of obedience to God's word. Nothing else will determine an eternal heaven or an eternal hell. The third thing we know about eternity is that eternity has no ending. Let me explain the ramifications of that. Once you step into heaven, you can never be lost. Once you step into hell, you can never find redemption. Any changes to your eternal destination has to be determined here. It has to be determined now. It has to be determined in this realm that we call time. God's word says, as the tree falleth, so shall it lie. There'll be no more changing your destination. There'll be no more altering your direction. There'll be no more correcting your course. If you don't fix it now, if you don't fix it here, if you don't fix it in the realm of time, you'll live with that choice for the rest of eternity. That's what I do know. Would to God that we would wake up to the inevitability of eternity. Every day in this area, somebody else is dying and going to hell. It's your job to reach them. It's your job to help them. It's your job to make a difference. But since I've told you what I do know about eternity, let me tell you what we don't know about eternity. The list is horrifying to me. I don't know how in eternity that the worms are gonna keep on living in my smoldering flesh despite the horrific in infernal flames that are burning my body but five times your Bible said that hell's gonna be a place where the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. I don't know how in eternity hell is gonna be a bottomless pit that becomes a place that allows us to tumble helplessly for eternity as the gaseous billows of heat toss our dead body to and fro while our living soul suffers. I need somebody to hear me. Yet there are seven times in the word of God it tells us that it is a bottomless pit. I don't know how in eternity my feeble mind would ever be able to handle knowing that I could look up out of hell in 
into the splendors of heaven and realize I was so careless with my soul that I allowed myself to go to hell. Yet the Bible says the rich man in hell lifted up his eyes and he saw a pier now in paradise. You don't know how many people in eternity. Are you listening to me, church? You don't know how many people in eternity are going to be there lost because of your own spiritual condition. You were supposed to be a witness, but you weren't. You were supposed to be holy, but you were a hypocrite. You were supposed to be spiritual, but you were slipping around. You were supposed to be just, but you were justifying sin. You were supposed to have integrity, but you were hiding immorality. You were supposed to be leading your family, but you were luring them to a less commitment. You were supposed to have character, but you were hiding your corruption. And when you step into eternity and all of our excuses are removed, I've got to know how are we going to handle knowing that you are the reason that they're in hell. That son that followed you that daughter mama that watched who you talked to on the phone and how you talked about this one or that one that spouse you led them there oh the inevitability of eternity your friend your co-worker your relative you were supposed to be a Christian so they thought if you were right like you were they were right like they were and you led them to a godless eternity how how could my mind ever stand it oh the inevitability of eternity those church children that wanted to be just like you when they grew up those bystanders that had been watching your life those business owners that thought you were living for God your life left the footprints that they followed and I just don't know how an eternity pastor I could handle seeing the tormented faces of those being cast into a lake of fire because my hypocrisy helped them get there. Because my attitude attracted them to that lost condition. Because my influence was the inspiration that led them to an unsaved eternity. Oh, the inevitability of eternity. Let me tell you what else I don't know. Something else I don't know about eternity is I do not know one solitary escape from its clutches. If I could say a magic word tonight and shut down eternity so that none of you would ever have to go to eternity, I'd say that word, I'd scream it a million times before I walked out of this pulpit so that people didn't have to face what eternity's gonna bring some souls. Are you listening to me now? There's not a magic word, there's not a formula that I could come up with tonight that would shut down your eternity. You need to know eternity is coming and there is not one solitary escape from its clutches. There's not one thing that you can do today that will help you escape heaven or hell. There's not one thing you can do when you get there that'll break the bonds of eternity. There's not one thing you'll be able to say or pray 10,000 years after you've been there that will help you escape. But it's getting closer. It's coming. It's inevitable. 
See the impact of what I'm saying that there's not one solitary escape. Remember five times God said the worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. Seven times God said it's going to be a bottomless pit and you're going to tumble for all eternity. But not one time does scripture ever give us one hint of any escape from eternity. Oh, the inevitability. It's chasing us. We drove by people on our way to this building tonight that's rushing as quick as they can get to eternity. Do you really understand that? Do you understand how serious eternity is? You can't escape it. You can't outrun it. You can't bypass it. You can't go over it. You can't go under it. You can't avoid it. You can't boycott it. You can't ignore it. I'm talking about the inevitability of eternity and you are going to eternity I am going to eternity your kids are going to eternity your spouse is going to eternity your friends are going to eternity it's coming eternity is getting closer in fact it's 19 minutes closer now than it was when I first started preaching tonight. It's coming. It's inevitable. Oh, it's been said you can't take it with you when you go. <laughs> the old classic Christmas tale. <clears throat> it memorialized the statement you can't take it with you when you go to some worldly possessions. I suspect that may be true, but it's also good to know that there are some things that you can and some things that you can't take into eternity. I would remind everybody today that your Bible says some men's sins are open beforehand. In other words, you can repent and it goes before you to the judgment. But it said there's other people, those that don't repent, their sins are going to follow them into the judgment. That means you can repent of any sin in your life today and send it on into eternity and God can forgive you or you can hold on to it and step into eternity yourself and have to deal with every sin. Let me tell you what you will have in eternity. You'll have every sinful craving you refuse to conquer here. If you refuse to get off that stuff here, you will crave that stuff there. I suspect you'll have the inescapable remnants of sin. If you're lost and you go to hell for eternity, you'll try to fix whatever you think has caused you to be lost. If you think it's your hair, you're going to pull your hair for all eternity. If you think it's something on your body, you're going to rip at it for all eternity. For eternity, you'll try to peel those questionable things off your body, begging God to forgive you, but it's going to be useless sin. For eternity, young man, you'll beat your head trying to erase those pornographic pictures from your mind, praying that God will see your sincerity, but it'll never work. Come on now. It's inevitable. You will stand in eternity. It may be today. It may be tomorrow. It may be next year. It could be in the next few minutes. On the way here tonight, 
your pastor pointed to a street corner and said a man died right here a few days ago on the street here was out on the street with his kid and ends up dying who's to say that it can't happen to somebody in this building today you are going to eternity you cannot escape eternity you will not outrun eternity just in case your journey into eternity is today there's only one question you need to be asking yourself it's a question like if I see God today what is there that I'm going to wish was different trust me there's a couple in my church and uh, brother and sister Bounds knows them well couple in our church that got married he was raised in the church she was not they got married and some of her unsafe family come to the wedding and they gave her uh, some things that that we normally preach against and and they gave her it was something she knew not to do it but in her opinion I'm going overseas for a honeymoon and nobody will know me nobody will see me I, I can wear this or do that and nobody's going to care because nobody's going to know the problem is they got 40,000 feet over the ocean on their way to a foreign country to spend their honeymoon and while the lady is trying to serve them a soft drink they hit turbulence that nobody had seen it was such turbulence it flipped that plane on its side all the bins on the top blasted open the woman ended up in the laps of my saints and all of a sudden there's drinks everywhere and they start trying to correct the plane and it's dropping thousands of feet and all of a sudden when she got home she told me she said all I could think about is if I'm going to die in this ocean today is there something I don't want God to see and immediately begin to tear those things from her body saying if I'm going to see God I don't want him to see this let me help you let me tell you what I know about people that's gone through quarantines and and church when they want it and church when they can get it sometimes they get extremely carnal but reality is I've seen people who even claim to be saved whose planes are plummeting right now they're, they're not what they need to be they're not what they're supposed to be are you listening to me right now you need to ask yourself if I'm going to die what is there in my come on now do you really want to see Jesus with alcohol on your breath from drinking with your do you really want to see God with those ungodly texts on your phone are you sure you want to see him with that hidden sin you think nobody knows about get ready scripture said some of those things are going to follow you into judgment and when you stand before God and your heaven and your hell's being determined you're going to have to find an answer oh the inevitability of eternity and that's not all there are some other things that you're going to possess in eternity do you know you're going to have the ability to talk in tongues in eternity 
you're going to have the ability. After all, think about it. If we've got people here that can talk in tongues without any real spiritual connection, you'll try to fool God too there. Every hypocrite that hits the white hot flames of hell is going to try to talk in tongues and convince God he got it wrong. Every backslidden preacher is going to try to preach in eternity and feel one tingle of what they used to feel thinking that God would change his mind. It would be done with the hope that just maybe I can feel you're going to have a passionate prayer life in eternity. Let's talk about the inevitability of eternity. Ten seconds into your eternity, you're going to have the prayer life that Brother Bounds has tried to get you to have for years. You're going to pray and above the crackling flames, the damned souls around you are going to hear it and they're going to recognize that passion because they prayed like that ever since they've been there. You're going to have a prayer life in eternity. Tell you what else you're going to have in eternity. You're going to have genuine repentance in eternity. You'll repent over your sins for a thousand years only to realize you're repenting too late. Understand, see, you're going to start repenting all over. You're going to have staggering guilt in eternity. Every time you see the face of that person that you knew was sinning, but you refused to try to get help for them, you're going to feel the guilt of knowing that if you had only been to your leadership, they could have fixed the problem. You're going to have constant painful reminders that your soul is lost forever. Fire that's not quenched. Screams that never cease. Gnashing of teeth trying to tear away the flesh so it won't hurt anymore. The constant tumbling and everlasting darkness. The perpetual horrors of catching glimpses of others who are burning but never burning up. We don't like preaching about that stuff anymore, do we? We, we don't like to talk about that stuff. That's, Brother White, that's pretty intense. I mean, we're in a pandemic, that's right. And way too many people have died from COVID that we could have reached if we'd have got a hold of the inevitability of eternity before they ever got in that condition. Are you ready? Do you think you'll be able to handle it? How tough are you gonna be then? Let me ask you a question. Listen close. Can you hear the screeching of the tires? Can you hear the gunshot? Can you hear the ambulance coming? Can you hear your mama scream? Get ready. It's coming. You can't escape it all. The inevitability of eternity. There are some things doing what I do, what Brother Bounds does. There are some things that you really don't want on your resume. I was preaching a family camp here a few years ago and, 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 and I've preached a lot of camps through the years. And Brother Bounds, I guess if a camp's gonna end right, this one was great. By the time I got done, the people had responded so that there was dancing and shouting and people running and rejoicing. And I picked up my Bible and I walked away while God was doing his thing and people were being blessed and people were being ministered to. I turned around and walked away and for a brief moment, 
felt a sense of fulfillment that maybe God had used me, Sister Bounds, until I got halfway between the pulpit and my seat. And when I did, God threw a vision into my way. And I was walking and all of a sudden, the world changed and I was in a vision. And in this vision, I could see a big black car. I could see it driving down a country road. I could see there were two inhabitants, two young men in the car. I couldn't see their faces, but I knew it was two young men. And all of a sudden, as they were driving, they were coming to an intersection. They didn't have a stop sign. But as I looked, there was a big tanker truck coming the other direction, full of fuel, uh, gasoline. And I saw it coming across that wilderness out there. And I looked, and that truck did have a stop sign. And all of a sudden, I saw that black car just drive through the intersection. And that big 18-wheeler hit them broadside. I saw it wrap their bodies up in that metal. I saw it catch fire and incinerate them. All of a sudden, God said, now you go back and you tell them what's coming. You tell them that there's two young men that are going to lose their life in a black car if they don't get it right with God tonight. I wanted them to keep rejoicing. I wanted them keep running the aisles. I wanted them to think it ended right. But I fear God way too much to ever disappoint him. And I turned around and I walked back to the pulpit. I took the microphone from the boy that had just got up was leading the worship and I began to tell them the vision that God gave me unbeknownst to me. There was two young men sitting towards the back on the right hand side that was mocking and and making fun of it and oh great now we're going to hear from God now God's going to try to scare us and they said they be I didn't know it I, I don't get weirded out by that they said they were mocking me and they were mocking the elders that were helping me preach and, and they said when I walked to the pulpit and I began to tell them the vision they just laughed and elbowed each other they thought that was great when it was all said and done, people prayed, got up and left. Less than a week later, those same two young men was in a big black car going down an old country road. When they did, they said there was a tanker truck coming the other direction full of gasoline. And they said that he had a stop sign and didn't see it. And he blasted through the stop sign, broadsided. Those two kids who had set through five days of camp meeting listening to me preach rolled them up burnt them to a crisp killed them instantly that's not what you want on your resume as a preacher but I'm going to tell you that's what drives me that's what scares me to death because somebody in this building will be the next one somebody in this place is going to die before everybody else I beg you I plead with you don't get so comfortable in your carnality that you forget the inevitability of eternity and it's coming in fact 
not only is it coming, it's 33 minutes closer right now than it was when I started. Oh, the inevitability. Somebody can't stop it. If I thought, Brother Bounds, that I could crawl on my belly to anybody in this place, let them stand on my back as I crawl back to an altar to get them out of an eternity. That's exactly what I do, but it is inevitable. There's not one thing, I, there's not one thing your man of God can say that's going to stop eternity. You will go to heaven or you will go to hell. That's the only options that you've got today. You can't wish eternity away. You can't pray eternity away. You can't hope eternity away. You can't deny eternity away. You can't debate eternity away. You can't reason eternity away. You can't challenge eternity away. You can't decree eternity away. You can't cast eternity away. Get ready, get ready, get ready. It's coming. The inevitability of eternity. I, I've got a feeling that this church knows exactly what I'm preaching about. You know how I know? Because going out to eat with your pastor is one of the most frustrating things in this world. Because we go in and we sit down in steak and shake. Every time I come, we do, he did it last night. Every time I come, he does, we'll go sit down. I'm thinking, I'm hungry. When you're a fat man, you get hungry. It's just a natural thing. And, and you sit down and you want to order and the, he, he, he stops and he's talking to somebody, talking about Jesus. Uh, he's in steak and shake, standing up there at the bar, talking to somebody. I'm thinking, come on, dude, I'm about to die over here. I'm hungry. I, I ain't, a, and he just, he'll talk to everything moving here. You want to know what drives somebody like Aaron Bounds? I'll tell you what drives him. There's an eternity and everybody's on their way. And if we don't do our job, somebody's going to be lost. Somebody's going to go to hell. Lift your hands up and cry out to God right now. Cry out. Cry out. Oh, I've told you what you will have in eternity. But let me tell you what you won't have in eternity. You won't have a righteous preacher to preach what you need to hear. That'll be okay though because you call it intruding and it's old fashioned and you resent that voice. That's old ways. None of that's his business. What he doesn't know doesn't hurt him. But it does hurt him because he's got to watch you be devastated and then go to hell. Tell you what else you're not going to have in eternity. You're not going to have one solitary hope of salvation. But that's okay. Some people say, well, I just don't think it takes all that anyway. Oh, you're going to change your mind before you actually see the flames. Just seeing it's going to make you admit you're wrong. But the difference is, knowing you're wrong right now means you can repent. 
but when you're dead and wrong, that means you can't repent. There's no way of, hey, 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 there won't be any cell phones to get your attention in hell. You can check Facebook 25 times in church and not listen to a preacher, but you hear me there. You're not going to have that. You're going to live. You're not going to have that unsaved romantic interest. And if you do see that person you lusted after, their hair's going to be burnt off. Their skin's going to be melting. And their agonizing screams are going to kill any desire you ever had to be near them. Let me tell you what else you won't have in eternity. You won't have one drop of God's mercy to lean on. Mercy ended the second you took your last breath. Mercy ended when God finally said enough's enough. Wonder how many people in the world today God's dealt with over and over and over and mercy's ready to say enough's enough. Well, Brother White, you don't understand. The Bible said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. He did. But let me remind you, he said, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But you better understand, when your life is over, no more will he be a merciful savior. He's going to be a righteous judge. Understand the nature of our God is going to change when the church is called out of here and you stand before him, whether by death or the rapture. Today he is a merciful savior. He's reaching with everything he's got. The instant you take your last breath, he's no longer a merciful savior. He's a righteous judge that's going to judge you out of what the Bible calls the books. Those 66 books in your Bible, God's going to say, I gave you all of this to get you to heaven. And now you've got to be judged by this very thing. Brother White, I can always cry. A, a loving God won't send people to hell. You're right. A loving God will never do it, but a righteous judge will. Today, he's a loving God. He'll be a righteous judge as soon as you take your last breath. As soon as your last heartbeat happens. How much longer do we think it's going to be? When's God going to say enough's enough? See, I'm preaching to people that have been through all kinds of chaos. And it's chaotic and our lives have been disrupted. But if we're not careful, we can get so wrapped up in all the chaos, we forget that eternity is inevitable. At some point, God's going to say it. The heavens are going to hear enough is enough. And eternity is going to begin and mercy is going to stop. It is inevitable. Eternity is inevitable. In eternity, the anointing you once felt won't be there to lure you. You won't have anointed preaching. You won't have anointed worship like you had. You won't have anointed fellowship. You won't have anointed services. The anointing's going to be all gone. Brother, what if all that's gone? What's left? What's left is what's going to really make it hell. You study the word of God, it speaks that there's a difference between hell and the lake of fire. In fact, it says in one place that he's going to cast death and hell in the lake of fire. Well, if the lake of fire is not all of hell there is, what is it? I'll tell you what it is. Every memory of every time you sit in a church and said, I'll probably be all right just like I am. 
every time you heard them sing like they sung tonight every time you listened to your incredible pastor preach to you hear me today you're going to be ripped away from all of that but your memory's never going to stop you're going to remember every altar call that you pass by. You're going to remember every time they preached on hell and you said you didn't think they had a right to do that. Ah, you laughed it off. You went through the motions that resembled prayer and you pressed through the warnings, but I promise you seconds after your last breath, after your last heartbeat, you'll never laugh it off again. You'll never hide behind empty emotions again. You'll never press through the warnings again. Ah! the inevitability of eternity how real is it pastor four funerals this week that's the inevitability four funerals this week that's the inevitability last night I got to my room God began to deal with me when I stepped in the door. Before I could get there, I could feel something happening. When I stepped in the door, I felt God calling me to prayer. I thought it was just because I, I'm in Zanesville and I pray for you. And it was like a, a closure deal when I get to come here because I pray every day. So, so I think that's what it is. And I get on my face and I'm begging God and I'm pleading with God. I'm begging him to touch this church, to touch whatever it is, God, you got me praying for. Wrap your arms around them. You protect them. You do what you do, God. And I prayed for about 40 minutes, got up off my knees, still felt a little uneasy, and all of a sudden, my phone begins to buzz. I got a text and looked down, and it was my son, Nathaniel, who I think's preached here. He said, Dad, don't panic, but there's been a bad wreck. We've been in a bad wreck. It was him and his wife and their kids. It was my son who pastors, Benjamin and his wife and their kid, one of the kids from the church, hydroplaned, began to bounce off the concrete barriers in the middle of a construction zone, threw them over the hill. They come down the hill so hard that they hit a ditch, catapulted over the feeder road, going towards a, a big channel of water there. And they said they ended up stopping about an inch from a building. They showed me where they slid up to the telephone pole. Sister Bounds, they slid up to it and then the vehicle straightened out. They went by the telephone pole and it went back sideways right behind it. And sitting in my room last night, I could have got the news that eight of my people were dead. My people, my family, my loved ones. How does that happen, Brother White? It happens because eternity is inevitable. It's coming. Right now, you're 44 minutes closer to heaven. 44 minutes closer to hell. That's where we are in this building right now. I think if I was you, I'd probably lift my hands up and beg God to open my spirit right now. I don't know what you're struggling with today, but I propose to you that in time you could have fixed it, but now you're in eternity. You're gonna stand there and realize in time I could have made it right, but now I'm in eternity. In time I could have truly repented, but now I'm in eternity. 
Is there enough God left in somebody to hear me today? You hope what I'm preaching isn't true, but it is. Eternity is inevitable. You hope this eternal fire stuff is just an old wives tale, but it isn't. Eternity is inevitable. You hope scripture contradicts itself. Giving you some kind of a loophole, but it doesn't. Eternity is inevitable. Stand to your feet with me right now. I was preaching a revival in Indiana. I was preaching for the pastor. The church was not very large. Great guy. He was trying to carve a church out of a hard situation. I'd been there for years and went from this place to that place in the surrounding area. Finally, he moved right into the city, was trying to make a difference. Church was getting ready to start one night and I seen somebody reach in his office and motion for him. I seen him walk out the office and I watched as he walked out and I could see him start sobbing, started crying and all of a sudden he come back in. He said, Brother White, can I talk to you for a minute? I said, absolutely, buddy. What you got? He said, Brother White, I need somebody to go to the hospital and pray now. They've got to get to the hospital. They got to pray now. We can't keep going. I said, what's going on? Do you have somebody in the hospital? He said, there was a man in my church. His kids used to be all of my musicians. He said him and his wife came to the church and he thought that his money should buy his pardon when it came to certain sins he wanted to commit. And he asked me if he could do this, that, and the other. And he said, I gave him Bible as to why he shouldn't do this, shouldn't do that. And he said, he got so mad that he ended up quitting church and his kids still coming. He began to tell his kids, I'm in this condition. I'm out here drinking. I'm out here not in church because of that preacher. It's the preacher's fault. He said, they just come and told me that he's in the hospital now, eat up with a disease. And he's begging for somebody to come pray for him. But the kids have said that if I show up, they're going to kill me. And they, he, he told him, if he can't come, you get me somebody. He said, Brother White, is there any way if we have prayer meeting here, will you go pray for that man? I didn't know who it was. I didn't have a clue. I wouldn't have known him if I'd tripped over him. And I ran just where he told me to go, to the emergency room. And when I opened up the door, Brother Up to Grave, when I opened up the door, I knew exactly where to find him because I could hear a man screaming, Oh, God, help me! I'm going to be lost! And I took off running down the hall. When I run in there, I'm standing there with my suit on watching this man screaming and thrashing back and forth on the bed crying begging God finally he looks at me he says are you a preacher and I said said, pray pray you gotta pray you gotta pray all of a sudden his kids saw you begin to say so and so didn't send you did he we hate his guts and his dad said boys no no boys he said all those things I said I lied I was lying about him I wanted to sin and he wouldn't let me and now I'd give anything if he could pray for me so they asked me he asked me if I'd pray for him 
when I did the whole time as kids are standing around the bed cussing, acting like a bunch of idiots. And I'm laying there putting my hands on his head. He's laying there, I'm putting my hands on his head. And I'm begging God, you gotta touch him. You gotta touch him. You gotta touch him. And all of a sudden, I heard that man scream the most blood-curdling scream. And I watched him pull his feet up in that bed as high as his feeble body could. And he began to scream, oh God, I'm on fire! I'm on fire! I'm burning! I'm going to hell! And while my hand was still on his head, The dude sucked the last breath of air that he would ever know in the realm of time and died lost. You want to know what keeps me right with God? You want to know what keeps my spirit so intense? I can still see him, darling, trying to pull them legs up in bed to pull his feet out of the fire. Oh, God, help us never to forget the inevitability of eternity. Maybe we're all sanctified in the building tonight. It may be that there's not one sinner in this building, but I would remind you, if we're gonna be true to type, the altar was not built for sinners. The altar was built for saints, and the saints are built for the sinners. Somebody in this place tonight pled with you. I've tried to wake you to the reality that eternity lies ahead of every living soul. If I was you in this building tonight and I had something that I needed to get right with God, I, I, I don't know how you spread out. I don't know how you do it. But dear God in heaven, I can't imagine letting a service like this go without finding a place to bow your knee and say, God, don't let me be lost. I know too much to be lost. I felt too much to be lost. Somewhere in the building, would you find a place to pray? Find a place to pour your spirit out? Yeah, yeah. Eternity's inevitable. Anything that needs to be fixed with God needs to be fixed on these altars right now. Pray, pray. If your passion's dying, you need to pray that you get a glimpse of hell tonight. If your soul no longer aches for lost people, If you don't care about that drunkard you drive by on the street, you ought to beg God to let you see one glimpse of their eternity. In Jesus' name.